What is up, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks podcast. And I just wanted to remind you that if you are a podcast listener to the Classic Metal Show or Aftershocks or the Shockwave Skull Sessions, which you all should be, you can now get all three in one location. That's right, one location. It is on the CMS Podcast Network. That's right. Just go to anchor.fm slash CMSPN, as in CMS Podcast Network. Just go there. Make sure you subscribe. No matter which platform you're using, there's links to all of them there, whether it's Apple or Pocket Casts or Breaker or CastBox or whatever. Whatever you use, it is there. So get yourself subscribed to the CMS Podcast Network, and you will get three, I mean three, great shows all in one location. So do it today. Subscribe to the CMS Podcast Network. That is anchor.fm slash CMSPN. Do it! Once again, another episode of Aftershocks, the AfterShocksPodcast.com and AfterShocksTV.com. And joining us right now, a true legend, a an absolute legend of drumming, a um, absolute legend of rock and roll, Mr. Carmine Apiece. Carmine, how are you, my friend? Good, man. How you doing, bro? It, it's always good to speak to you, man. It's always good it's always good when you have a project and it's even more fun when it's, when it's clearly a project that I think you have a, a strong passion for. And obviously vanilla fudge is the project. I think you, you've always yeah. maintained the most passion for. Is that yeah. fairly correct? Well, it's, you know, it's the first one. It's like having your first kid or your first car, you know, your first drum set, you know? Sure. And, uh, and Vanilla Fudge was the first band that uh, gave me su success. And uh, can I say, you know, it's a great band. I mean, the, the, the talent in the band was amazing. Tim Bogart on bass and Mark Stein and great vocalist, both of them. And Vince Martell, great singer and guitar player. And, you know, and we, we upset the world together, you know, right. when we were kids. When we were kids. Absolutely. If I would have told you 50-whatever years ago, that the four of you would still be alive, still be around, and still making music. Would you have believed me? Uh, I would have believed it, but uh, I didn't know if we were going to be all together making music. Okay. Uh, I know we would have we would have all made music, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, Tim Bogart is still alive, but he's very ill. So he right. he uh, can't, can't do any of these PR things, but... Uh, you know, we cut this record like in 2005 or six or something like that. Okay. And uh, it was due to come out back in the day with uh, a label called Escapey Music. Okay, yeah. And, uh, and Escapey released it, it and the Cactus record almost at the same time. And then they went out of business. And yeah. they released my Katarzysh records too. Right. And they went out of business. <laughs> and so they put the things up on YouTube and everything else. And then that's it. Never promoted it. So most people don't even know it was, it was out. Sure. And, uh, and then lately, our new manager, Tom Vitorino, in making a deal with Golden Robot Records for a new record, which is going to be called uh, Supreme Fudge. 
Right. We're going to do five Supreme songs, three R&B and two or three originals. Um, told them that we had this this album available and they loved it. They, they, they heard it and they loved it. So we remastered it. And, uh, you know, and now they're releasing it and, you know, they, they gave us like uh, some money for it. So, um, which was nice, you know, sure. not a lot of money and nothing's a lot of money these right. days, but you know, every little bit helps, especially when nobody can play gigs. Right. You know, And, uh, and then uh, about a month and a half ago, they said they're going to release the immigrant song and they want to do a video. Okay. So, uh, I don't know if you've been following my Katarzy's stuff of late. Sure. Uh, I've had, uh, four videos done. The latest one is called code 19. Right. Which is all about what we're going through today, but we wrote it in 1997. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you should check that out. And, uh, but anyway, um, so I have this guy that does videos and uh, I've been producing and uh, managing a young band called Kodiak and he did their videos as well. So I suggested to Tom that we, that he look at the videos he's done with me. Cause you know, one of the videos I did, uh, nobody knew I had uh, myself, Tony Franklin and Brian May in the video. Okay. You know, and he did an amazing job on that one. So Tom saw it and he said, Oh, this guy's good. Let's get him to do it. So unfortunately we couldn't get film of everybody. Cause like I said, Tim is sick right. and everything. So we got some old footage of the band when we were, you know, kids. Sure. And we gave it to this guy and he added new footage and psychedelic. And you know, I let Tom, you know, be involved with me and, 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 uh, working with this guy and Tom had a vision of what he wanted the video to be. So we did it and it came out great. So that's going to be coming out shortly as well. And, uh, you know, this album is, is going to be called Vanilla Zeppelin. Right. Right. And it's a immigrant song. And that's the kind of artwork that's sitting behind it that the record's going to have <coughs> and the video as well. Sure. Uh, so, it was done in 2006, I think, all analog. Okay. No, no digital at all, nothing digital. We mixed it. Uh, actually, we mixed it on a thing called Radar, which was, Radar was considered almost almost analog. It's a digital system that I, I did my second Katarzyz record on. And when I, when my uh, engineer said, well, I want to mix this on Radar, digital, I said, oh, no, I don't want no digital. Right. So he sat me on a chair and he and he pressed the 24 track and he kept going back and forth from the radar to the 24 track and saying, what's this, radar or did, or, or analog? Right. And I said, analog. He said, no, it's radar. <laughs> what's this, analog? And, you know, I kept getting right. it wrong. It's, it sounded just like it. So we mixed it on radar, which gave us the ability to do the cut and pasting and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Good things about digital. And then after we did that, we we mastered it uh, analog again. So the whole thing is pretty much analog. That's why if you listen to the immigrant song, it's really analog. It really sure. sounds sounds got got great tones and and fatness and warmth and everything. You know. Yeah, it, it just has that. You know, it, it doesn't have that processed sound that yes, so yes. much digital has these days, and that's, that's unbelievable. And it's so, you know, especially a band like Vanilla Fudge that, you know, your heyday was before there was digital. To yeah. hear that mixed to digital does not feel right, you know? Yeah, I agree. 
you know. Yeah, I mean, we have a guy now that, that mixes stuff. Pat Regan mixed that one. That's uh, um, the same guy that mixed my Katazu stuff. There's a guy that does our mixing now. He does, he has a big Neve board. Okay. You know, he's got 24 track. So we, even if we start digitally, <coughs> which I have a studio in my house here now, which is Cubase, but if I give him my drums and, and, and a song, he'll mix it through that board and he'll dump it to, to analog. Okay. And when it comes back, it sounds just like analog. Awesome. You know, mm -hmm. so. Definitely. Now the, the the choice, in my opinion, the choice of immigrant song is not really shocking knowing that, you know, even your drum solos with Vanilla Fudge as recently as last year were kind of like sort of a Zeppelin-esque tribute. For you as a drummer, is it always important to keep the, you know, the legacy of John Bonham alive? Because, I mean, he did set the bar quite high for most drummers to follow, you know, after him. Yeah. Well, for me, it's different. Okay. Because I was around before him. Right. <laughs> okay. And we, they opened up for us. And when they did, John Bonham had told me I was one of his influences. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, and I got a call from Steve Smith, you know, Steve Smith from mm -hmm. Journey. Journey, right. One day, and, and he said to me, uh, I just listened to Vanilla Fudge, um, Vanilla Fudge's uh, Renaissance album. And I, what I heard on there was everything John Bonham ever did. <laughs> right. I said, oh, thank you, Steve. I, I really appreciate it, man. You know, I mean, because, you know, I'm humble about it. Look, drummers are like different kind of breed. We all take from each other, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, John Bonham uh, did stuff that I did, but he, I mean, he did stuff I did because I was around before him. He used to listen right. to Vanilla Fudge records. I used to listen to Max Roach and Joe Morello, and I listened to Ginger Baker. And, you know, I listened to this one. I listened to that one. So, so in in you know when they came on tour with us, I got him his drum set. Right. You know, I got a picture of of my drum set and his drum set. It was the same drum set, which were big, oversized drums. Sure. And I, I started that fad with Ludwig Drum Company back in 1968. And uh, and they toured with us at the end of 68. When he saw my drum set, he had a little 22 bass drum. I had 26 bass drums. <laughs> I had a big tom in the middle and big toms on the side, big fat snare drum. And when he saw that, he said, man, can you help me get a deal with Ludwig? Okay. So I called Ludwig and said, hey, there's a new band opening up for us. There's a guy named John Bottom. I think they're going to be big. Now I say it's an understatement of like five decades, you know? Right. <laughs> you know? And so with that, they gave him the same set as mine. Okay. And we had two blonde maple kids, double bass drum even he had. Right. And we did one tour in 69 with both those drum sets. Wow. And I offered one of how silly it was when like if they went on, he had his double bass drum set. Right. You know, I went on, I had mine. They took his off and they put mine on. So the audience is probably said, why'd they take that drum set off and then put it back on again? Right. It's the same exact drum set, you know? And uh, after that tour, Robert and Jimmy told him he was too busy with the two bass drums. Okay. Take one away. When he took one away, the Led Zeppelin drum set was born. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, so that's that's the story. So, but, but, you know, I've had this kind of drum sound ever since the beginning of my career with Vanilla sure. Fudge, you know? And uh, 
and John and, you know, uh, Zeppelin worked with the same engineers that I work with, you know, like back in the day, uh, Andy Johns, he, he, Andy Johns was a tremendous engineer that helped develop that drum sound. But Jimmy Page, you know, had it in his head what the drum sound would be like. And it was mostly ambient drum sound. Sure. You know, using big rooms, a couple of mics instead of everything mic'd. You know, my whole drum sound ever since Vanilla Fudge days has been based on ambient room mics. And right. That's what, yep. that's what Bonzo's drum sound is based on. Sure. So when we did this album, you know, it, I did my natural thing that I normally do, you know. Right. I put do the you, room mics up, compress them, stuff I learned from Andy Johns. Right. Do you think that the drum sound of a band is, I mean, on, on occasion it is, but for the most part, it's not given the appropriate amount of influence oh, musically, you know, it, it's, I, I mean, and I'll point to a, a, a I, I guess they're not a younger band, but a younger two vanilla fudge band guns and roses. They've had yeah. several different drummers and each, each, uh, each recording that they've done with a different drummer has had a totally different feel to the music itself. Yes. And I think right. it's all based on the drum. <laughs> do you, do you feel the same the way? Feel, the feel comes from the drums. Right. You know, when, when John Bonham passed away, I was in Europe and, uh, there were big rumors going on that, that me or Cozy Powell were going to replace him. Right. Because of the feel. Now, Cozy and John grew up together. And right. if you read a book called The Thunder of Drums, it talks about when John Bottom came back from the touring with Vanilla Fudge, him and Cozy were all gaga about the fact that he was hanging out with me. And both right. of them used to listen to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm, this is just a fact. I'm not like trying to ego out on that, you know. A lot of people take you know, look at this and say, oh, he's just an egomaniac, you know. But, you know, this is a fact that I read in the book myself. I read it in the book. Chris Welch, the writer, wrote it, and he told me about it. And I said, wow, I didn't know that. I said, you know, and I knew Cozy, you know, because Cozy played with Jeff Beck when, you know, we were supposed to play with Jeff Beck, me and Tim. And uh, Jeff had a car accident, and he was detained by 18 months, so we put Cactus together instead. And then when he came back, he had Cozy, which Cozy played my style, the big right. drums, powerhouse, you know, big drums, groove. And uh, and then, you know, we finally got together. And then uh, years later, I was asked to join Rainbow. Right. And I couldn't do it because I had a group with Mike Bloomfield called KGB, and I was signed to a label. So Richie got Cozy. Right. So when I used to see Cozy, I go, what are you, my professional replacement? <laughs> I'd be kidding around with him, you know. Right. Yeah. And, and because he was a great drummer on his own. And, uh, you know, he had the same feel, the same, some of the same stuff I had and Bonzo had. And a few other drummers of the era started having, you know, Ian Pace, you know. So, but my, my era was the first, the first uh, level. It was me, right. Ginger Baker, Keith Moon, Dino Donnelly, and, uh, and, uh, Keith, uh, Mitch Mitchell, did I say? Sure. Mitch yeah, there's like five of us. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the first level of rock drumming that became like the drum hero kind sure. of level. And then the second level was the John Bonhams, the Ian Pace uh, from that that level, you know, like the 1969, 1970, you know. Uh, Don Brewer came out with, uh, with uh, Grand Funk Railroad, you know, and there were a few really good drummers that came out in that second level. Then the third level were the jazz rock guys like Billy right. Cobham, Alphonse Muzon, 
Lenny White, Tony Williams, all that. That was like the next level. Sure. You know? Yeah. What what do you think of the of the um I'll call them the speed drummers for lack of a better term, but like oh, speed metal and all that. Like yeah, the death metal guys. Do you think that the death metal guys are slipknot or bands like that? Do you think that those guys they certainly have skill, but do they have talent? Like it oh, I know yeah, oh, yeah, damn. I mean, right now you got Max Weinberg's kid is playing in Slipknot. Right. And he's a really good player. Sure. I mean, he played with Bruce. Yeah, he plays with Slipknot. He played with other things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, he can play anything. The kid's really good. Sure. You know? And I give these guys credit. I mean, it's not easy to do what they do. Right. You know, the fast bass drum, the way they use the bass drum. I, I can't do that. You know, it's just very mechanical, and it's the same every night. Right. You know, but it's great. I mean, they're, fucking, they're really, really great in what they do. Sure. You know? I, I've always thought, though, that, that while while the skill is certainly there, you know, on a crazy level with yeah, how totally. fast they play and how precise they play, the one thing that's always missing that came from your generation is that feel. You, you listen to any death metal, <laughs> they all kind of sound the same. From well, you can't. Well, number one, when you're playing bass drums so fast, mm -hmm. all those bass drums have to be padded up so you could hear them. Sure. But even so, when you go to live gigs, you can't really hear them. Right. You feel it, but you don't hear it. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear something like rumbling on the bottom, but you don't hear it as, as good, you know, because it's so fast. I mean, look, there's only a certain amount of notes you can put in a, in, a, in one beat, you know. Right. You can go up to 64th notes in one beat. 64th notes at a fast tempo is almost, you know, one note. Right. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, how are you going to hear that, you know? So it's just a matter of physics, really. Sure, definitely. You know, you know but uh, yeah, it's a different field. There's no soul to the music. It's more like brain music mm -hmm. than heart music. Sure. There's a lot, a lot of bands. Like Any band that plays the same every night, where they like the drummers, they don't go in, they play. Like, we never went in and said, okay, here's the groove for the verse. Here's the groove for the pre-chorus. Here's a group for the, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the solo, mm -hmm. you know, you know, we would just go in and play whatever right. comes out, comes out, comes from here, mm -hmm. like an R&B song, you know, right. even, even R&B, you know, like you take Aretha, which part of the reason her, her songs were so great. Bernard Purdy played on all those songs, the same drum sound, the same feel all the time. Right. You know? But, you know, Bernard Purdy couldn't play Slipknot. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. No, you're you're absolutely right. And it's interesting <laughs> R&B since you are doing what, what I'll admit, it, it surprised me when I read about it, doing these Supremes covers. What led you guys to choosing the Supremes? Of all the bands you could choose to do, you know, covers of, the Supremes was would have been low on my, on my dart throwing. Well, what happened? Would you keep me hanging on? Yeah, true. Good point. That was a Supreme song. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Supreme, the, you know, we, we, it was our manager's idea to okay. do it, and the label loved it. And, you know, a good R&B song is a good R&B song. You know, they have great songs. You know, Stop in the Name of Love, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a hurting song. Right. You know? And uh, Reflections and uh, uh, some of the other ones we're looking at, 
the same kind of vibe, you know. We look at the lyrics, you know. Right, sure. You know? And uh, and then, like, we did an album in 1967, uh, uh, not 67, uh, Spirit of 67. Mm -hmm. We did, you know, uh, all kinds of R&B songs, Tracks of My Tears. We did, uh, uh, we even did The Letter, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, if you ever heard that album, it's yeah. a great album. Uh, um, heard it through the grapevine. Mm -hmm. We did that uh, as well. And, you know, we do that great because we grew up playing R&B and soul. Right. I mean, I used to play in a band called Thursday's Children, and we used to play with opposite other bands. One of the other bands we played with was Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> it was called Jimmy James and the, and the Blue Flames. And he was doing the same stuff he was doing, blues and R&B. Sure. And he was doing Wild Thing. He was doing, uh, you know, uh, Isley Brothers. And he was doing, you know, all the same stuff we were doing. You know, Wilson Pickett and all that Midnight Hour and playing with his teeth and being flamboyant and he has hair combed back, you know. And, you know, that's that's what we did, you know. And right. uh, so, you know, R&B is our really cup of tea. Make it really rockified, but still keep the soul. Sure, definitely. Uh, Carmine, when you look back at your career, I mean, you've obviously had a lot, a lot of highs, you know, whereas Vanilla Fudge and obviously King Cobra was big, Blue Murder. And, you know, you, you, you've, you've had quite a few great bands. Are there any that you look back at and you're like, damn, that should have been, that should have hit too. Do you ever look at like Carmine and the Rockers or the, the Pigeons or, you know, the, well, the, well, the Pigeons were Vanilla Fudge. Right, right. Yeah. But uh, I mean, look at Rod Stewart's the biggest high of all of them. You know, I co-wrote Do You Think I'm Sexy and co-wrote Young Turks. We were selling out six nights at the Forum. It was a Rod Stewart group. We were part of the group. We had percentages and stuff. It was huge. You know, I, I thought um, King Cobra should have gone bigger. Okay. Of, right. of all my, my bands, I thought King Cobra should have gone bigger. And Cactus, maybe. You know? Right. Yeah. Do, do you... I, I, I've, I've asked you this question before. I'm going to ask you it again just because I, I don't remember the answer, but I'm always curious. Are, are you and your brother competitive? Uh, yeah, I mean, we are, but we're, but we're also uh, helping each other. Like okay. Right now, the, the studio I have, my brother built the actual computer, put in all the software and everything, sent it to me. I set it up. He put in a, a, a program where he can chime in on my computer, I have him on the phone, and he's showing me how to work it. Okay. You know? And uh, yeah, when we go out on the road as drum wars, right? you know, we're competitive. You know, sure. he plays something, I try and top it. Right. I do something, he tries to top it, but that's the nature of the beast, you know? Sure. Drummers do that, but but as, you know, we, we love each other, we're, we're good friends. Sure. You know, I call him all the time. Uh, I, I help him, like I'm just helping him get a deal. That's my dog. Uh, that's uh, Moses, the dog. Nice. Right? It, let it be written. Let it be done. You know. <laughs> Very. Uh, so he, um, yeah, he's working on some new drum books, and I just signed a new uh, signing a new drum book deal with Modern Drama Publications. Awesome. And the guy I'm working with, um, I told him about Vinny. He had a book, and I said he wants to do new books. So I'm hooking Vinny up with with that situation. You know. And you know, I'll hook Vinny up with something. He'll hook me up with something. You know, we, it's competition when we play when we, when it needs to be, and there's creativity when there needs to be, and there's love and friendliness sure. and helping each other when there needs to be. 
has there been career competition? Does, do you ever say, well, I had vanilla fudge? He says, yeah, well, I had. Oh, like, yeah. Rabbit. You're goofing off. Yeah, goofing <laughs> right. off. You do that in interviews, you know. Sure. You know, like Vinny, Vinny used to say on his website, uh, you know, no, no, no thing, no thing, uh, no, I forgot, no, no brushes, no, no, no balance. And I'd say no work, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Right. But, but, but we kid around with each other, you know. Sure. Is is the and this is one I know I haven't asked you. Is the apathy a piece thing an inside joke between you two? No, I mean it really it happened. I mean I used to be apathy, and everybody called me a piece. Finally, okay. when I joined Rod Stewart. He said, "Man, it's like let's get one way to say your name. There's so many different pronunciations." Okay. So what do most people call you? So I said, "Most people say a piece." Okay. So. So then we went with a piece of playing in front of 20,000 people every night for eight years. Right. I became Carmine a piece. And then Ludwig, everyone wants a piece of the piece, did a big ad. Right. And, and then when Vinny came out with Derringer and Black Sabbath, it was apathy, especially with Black Sabbath. He did a lot of press. It confused everybody. Sure. So everybody's been confused. So I came up with the idea, let's do a drum wars, a battle, and whoever wins it, you know, gets the uh, the name. So we did a DVD. Then my older brother settled. He goes, it's not a piece. It's not apathy. It's a peachy. <laughs> nice. Uh, so that was, uh, yeah. So kind of you know, the whole drum was video was kind of a piss take on, on the name and, and, a, and a comedy. Right. You know? <laughs> you know, so we, so then we, I said, well, let's, let's take it to the road because we did some clinics together and it was awesome. So then we came up with the show idea and we've been doing show we've done probably 120 shows we did a, a record the peace brothers record you know basically that we did a drum wars live record and it, it's great it's a lot of fun awesome <clears throat> i love doing it you know we, we have a great time the funniest thing is vinnie will go up and go, everybody wants to know about the name but this is the story and he'll he'll go like <laughs> and i'll stop yeah. playing drums right right and then when i stop he goes that's the story <laughs> you can hear a word he said, you know. Totally. So we're making a joke out of it, you know. Right, of course. Well, listen, I got to go because I got to figure out the next one. Same okay, man. On StreamYard. But hey, it was great talking to you. Yep, good talking to you, man, and good luck with it, man. I hope the Supremes, the Supreme Fudge, and the Zeppelin Fudge does well for you, man. Thank you, man. See you All now. Right. Take Ciao. care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com for all comments and questions Please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com.